everybody. It's Dylan James, Out of Bounds with Dylan James. And as always, JT is with me. JT, how's it going? I'm doing good, Dylan. How are you guys doing? How's everyone doing tonight? I think we're doing pretty well. Are you fully recovered from the Capitals' loss in the Stanley Cup Finals? In the Stanley Cup, uh, it was what, the second round? No, it's not Stanley Cup Finals. It's the, the second round, the, the round that the Caps still, since 1998, can't get past. So uh, it's been a long 48 hours since that all went down, but still recovering. I'm still more worried about the future of the Capitals and what's going to happen with Ovechkin and everything. But we'll talk more about that later, Dylan. Very true. Um, so, yeah, this week I'm actually in Mississippi. I'm in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, recording in my girlfriend's old room at her house. And JT is on FaceTime audio, which is pretty new. JT, have you ever done a podcast over FaceTime audio before? No, Dylan, it's my first time, man. Same here. Same here. But it sounds great, though. It sounds good. It sounds like you're in the room with me. Yeah, man. Even though we're worlds apart, we're still exactly. right here. Still kicking it on Out of Bounds. Uh, That's technology for you. Exactly. Exactly. How's your week been so far? Oh, uh, The week's been good, man. Pretty busy. Uh, getting psyched uh, for this Orlando City game tomorrow. I'm, I'm going with some of my coworkers tomorrow to uh, enjoy the match. So I'll be there covering the match for Out of Bounds and probably writing a blog or something about it later on. But uh, I'll keep you informed how the game goes. So I'm pretty excited about that. Of course, it's also Mother's Day weekend. So love to your mothers. Love to your mothers. That's on it. On Sunday. So please show love to your mothers on Sunday. Don't forget um, to call them at least. Call oh, them or, or text call them or something. Them, them. Yep. Don't please do that, everyone. Please do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll start Other off. Other than that, it was a good week. Busy week at work. Hanging in there. Getting my class stuff done. But besides that, it's all good. Sweet, man. Good. Now we're here recording Out of Bounds, and let's just jump right into it. So with the NFL football news, we're starting off with the Raiders again this week. The Raiders are going to be doling out some hard cash to the Free cash, homie. The Raiderettes. <laughs> They'll be uh, receiving $1.25 million from a lawsuit that detailed uh, the team failing to pay minimum wage and overtime fees to the Raiders cheerleaders. And this was back in the 2013-2014 season, I believe, when this whole thing started. And it looks like each Raiderette will be receiving over $20,000. So my question to you, JT, if you were getting $20,000 from the Raiders, would you stay with the Raiders as a Raiderette or would you just move on? Well, if I'm a Raiderette, I would just take the money and, and, and move on at this point. Uh, it's a very sad situation uh, with everything that's going on with not just the Raiders, but I believe I heard this from different teams like with the Broncos or in the Dolphins in the past. Um, it's very unfortunate with uh, the NFL, with uh, the Raiders or the cheerleaders. You know, they should get treated just like, you know, any player or any like the mascot even, you know, working at these games. Uh, I was reading an article today on Yahoo, and they were talking about another class action lawsuit, and it was saying that the cheerleaders are only paid about a hundred to one hundred twenty-five dollars a game. That's less, Dylan, than the players and even the mascots. I heard that mascots allegedly make anywhere between, like basically six thousand dollars a year, and that's with benefits. Come on, NFL, what's up with that? 
and most of the cheerleaders actually are part-time workers and, and there's no there are no full-time cheerleaders with any NFL organization it's all part-time employees so with this with this lawsuit do you think there are more teams more cheerleaders out there that are going to do you think this lawsuit is going to spark anything else in the league that we see more of these lawsuits coming out in the next few years I certainly think so Dylan this will not be the first, and this certainly won't be the last. I think I think we'll see some more down the road. All right. Well, you heard it from JT first. So on to the Arizona Cardinals. They signed quarterback Blaine Gabbert. He was the former quarterback from the San Francisco 49ers, but before that, he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So JT and I are very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very uh, familiar with Blaine Gabbert because he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South. He signed a one-year deal to back up the one, the only Carson Palmer, and their current backup quarterback is Drew Stanton. So do you think this is an upgrade or a downgrade for the Arizona Cardinals? Arizona Cardinals, I don't understand this move at all. I I, I don't. Blaine Gabbert, really? Cardinals, do you not know that he is 9-31 and overall as a starter in the NFL? That's not, to me is not much of an upgrade, and why you still got Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, he's out there still with a record of thirty-two and thirty-two. He's led a team to the playoffs. He's also led a team to the Super Bowl. Now I understand this debate about okay, well Kaepernick, he was doing the you know kneeling near the national anthem this past season, and his political beliefs, and that's probably another reason why uh, teams are probably shifting away from him, but. I just don't understand it. Blaine Gavert? Really? Well, you look at Drew Stanton. He's not much better. He's only had two touchdowns and three interceptions in his career, 192 yards passing, and a 39.6 passer rating when he's been with the Cardinals. So do you, I mean, I technically think that Blaine Gavert's an upgrade over Drew Stanton, but I still agree with you that there are quarterbacks on the market they should have been looking at before signing Blaine Gabbert as their backup quarterback in Arizona. Definitely, definitely. We'll have to see if Carson Palmer makes it to training camp. Hopefully. I think all Arizona Cardinals fans are crossing their fingers that he will actually have a healthy season this year, and he does make it to training camp um, healthy and ready for the season come this year. So the NFL denies Josh Gordon's reinstatement to the Browns um, a few days ago. He's been suspended four times, violating the NFL substance abuse policy, and he can reapply this fall. Do you think there's ever a time when the NFL will actually approve his reinstatement after getting suspended four times in a row? That's a good question, Dylan, and I really don't know. I mean, Josh Gordon, he just can't seem to keep himself, you know, clean, and I just can't see a scenario where if I can ever see him back in the league. With the NFL getting stricter with these policies, you know, the players get tested every so often, you you make one slip up and take the wrong thing, you're you're done for. He's already been suspended, like you mentioned, so many times. So personally, Dylan, I I just can't see a scenario where Josh Gordon ever comes back to the NFL, at least not anytime soon. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but you know, with the Browns, they're going to open up their arms to anybody saying, "Hey, come back to our team. We want to win a game this season." Looking at their schedule this season, the Patriots are actually favored in all of their games in the 2017-2018 season, but the Browns, they're favored in zero of their games. So, JT, looking at their schedule, do you think there are any games on there 
that they can actually win and surprise people. Well, Dylan, looking at the Browns' schedule, personally, I think the Browns can win at least three to four games this season. October the 8th against the Jets. I say October the 15th against the Houston Texans. And then October the 29th against the Vikings. And then I see them winning on Christmas Eve, December 24th, against the Chicago Bears. But the rest of the schedule, it's, it's brutal. Steelers, Ravens, Colts, Bengals, of course, our Titans, the Jags, Bengals, Chargers, Packers, Ravens, and the Steelers again. I, I can't see them winning more than four games, to be honest. Wow. Well, well, like I was saying before, they're favored in zero of their games this year. The Browns are a touchdown or worse underdog in nine of 15 games this season. But the Patriots, however, they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. The Patriots are favored by an average of 6.5 points per game. They're favored in all of their games this season, like I said before. And speaking of the Patriots, the Madden 18 cover was announced this week. And who would have thought that Tom Brady actually would have gotten on the cover? He's on the GOAT edition of Madden 18. And do you think that Brady will break the Madden curse this season and stay healthy for his team? Dylan, I know there's always curses with teams and all these things. But to me personally, not even a curse, a Madden curse it's going to stop Tom Brady and the Patriots. I just don't see it, man. Well, even if he does get hurt, he does have Jimmy Garoppolo waiting in the in the wings. And which brings me to my next point, do you think Belichick will push Brady aside anytime soon and let Garoppolo play as the starting quarterback in the next few years? Only to me only if the Patriots are, are blowing out a team, then I can see them taking out Brady having rest up because you know he's going to be 40 this season and have Garoppolo get some reps. So to me, the, the Bill Belichick is going to commit as long as Tom Brady is going to play. As long as Tom Brady plays well, he's going to keep him in the game. If he struggles a few games here and there, he'll probably rest him and have Garoppolo. So I do think he'll get some playing time for sure. Next couple years, definitely. But I don't see him in a scenario where Garoppolo is going to take over for Brady as a starter unless Brady gets injured. The only thing is, though, with the Patriots organization and with Bill Belichick, I've seen it so many times before where we see a player in New England who's playing very well, the height of their career, and then all of a sudden, Bill Belichick decides to trade them away or decides to let them go, let them go somewhere else to another team. So, you know, you have to consider that, too, because, I mean, Tom Brady is a phenomenal player. He is going in the Hall of Fame. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But at the same time, Bill Belichick does not really have that uh, way about him with most players. He usually says, look, I'm going to take you out of the game when I think you need to get out of the game, not when you start struggling or when you get injured. So we need to look at this this uh, time frame here because Brady is turning 40 this season, like you said before. And so it might get to a point, point to where Bill Belichick says, you know what, we're just going to put Jimmy in there because... He's not getting any younger either. He's still going to be, you know, getting older as he's the backup for Tom Brady, even though he doesn't have as many games on his legs, I guess, than Tom Brady does. But still, we have to take a look at it in the next few years and see when that transition will take place. And if it will be a peaceful transition, maybe even Tom Brady plays for another team. We don't even know about that because he might be another Brett Favre in that matter. So we'll see what happens in the next few years. 
And last but not least with the Patriots, uh, will LeGarrette Blunt remain a Pat this season? He is a free agent right now, and they've considered possibly giving him a deal, but LeGarrette's not wanting to take less money than he what he thinks he's worth. So do you think that the Patriots will seal up a deal with LeGarrette Blunt before the beginning of the season? Oh, I certainly think so at this point. I mean, we're already in May, and if LeGarrette Blunt is still not getting an offers from running backs, I mean, we just had the draft. So that area for a lot of teams is stocking up right now. So if I'm a Garrett Blunt, look, you might as well, you got to play. Uh, just bite the bullet, go up with the Patriots. You know that you're going to get reps and win. And maybe after this upcoming season, that's probably when you get your money. It may not be with the Patriots, but it'll be with another team. We'll just have to wait and see And when training camp rolls around. Very true. Uh, moving on to the Houston Texans, the AFC South division. Uh, Deshaun Watson won't have a real shot at the starting job in Houston, says a report that uh, was on yardbarker.com. He will, they will not have a regular competition at camp. He will not take first, first team reps like most competitions do. They don't, they're not going to split reps or anything. He's going to be taking some first team reps, but not as many as a competition would be, as you, whatever. Uh, so Tom Savage will remain the starter unless he's injured or proven ineffective during the season. Do you think this is the smartest move for Houston moving forward this season? Well, it's a smart move as of now, Dylan. But as we, you, me, you know, when the preseason rolls around, anything can happen. And Tom Savage, I know the Texans want to commit to him as a starter. But me and you, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We both don't believe that Tom Savage will be a starter week one. To me, it's pretty simple. If Tom Savage does poorly in the preseason – and Deshaun Watson is killing it, you have to put him out there. And not only that, today Deshaun Watson just signed a rookie contract. You're paying him a lot of money, over 13 mil. That, that's a lot of money for a guy to sit on the bench. So to me, it's just all down to the preseason. If Savage does well, he's definitely going to start week one to at least maybe six, seven games. But like you mentioned, if he's ineffective or he gets injured, Deshaun Watson will go out there. But to me personally, it's all the preseason. Deshaun Watson does really well. You have to start a week one. And the biggest thing they were saying was they were wanting Deshaun Watson to sit on the bench to learn. But who is he actually learning from? You know, who is the teacher in this situation? Tom Savage is not a trustworthy quarterback behind center. He's definitely not an Andrew Luck. He's not a Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's not that type of situation. No, not at all. So, I, you know, I understand that they want to make sure that Deshaun is actually ready for the NFL when he gets on the field for the first time, and they don't want him to get injured early in his career. But at a certain point, you have to think, who's going to win you games? And I don't think Tom Savage can do that. I think Deshaun Watson can. I just don't think Tom Savage has the ability to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Speaking of uh, starting quarterbacks in the NFL... Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions will hold off on signing his extension. In the past two seasons, he's had 56 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. He's set to make $22 million a season, but he has a payday coming up, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So he's willing to let Derek Carr get paid first to set the market value of quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you think Matt Stafford will get a deal done with Detroit this offseason after Derek Carr does with the Raiders? And if you do... Do you think he's going to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL? It's certainly a possibility, and I think Matthew Stafford, Stafford, excuse me, he's uh, making a smart decision, a wise move by letting the Raiders, the Raiders, uh, the market on Derek Carr first. You know, once Derek Carr gets his money, 
Matthew Stafford's going to want his money. So I certainly believe that Stafford is going to get paid a bunch of money by Detroit. And Detroit, you got nothing to lose. You have to keep Stafford. He's going to win you games. and keep you in that contention. And someone's got to give a Packer, the Packers a run for their money. It's not going to be the Bears. It's certainly not going to be the Vikings. Might as well be Detroit. My story in the NFL, ex-Washington GM says that Kirk Cousins has hit his ceiling. Do you think Kirk Cousins is at the peak of his career right now? You know, Dylan, this is very difficult. It's hard to say. I know Kirk Cousins, he had a type of down year this past season compared to the season he had before where he helped led the Redskins to the playoffs. And I was reading an article on NBC Sports this afternoon, and the former GM that got let go by the Redskins he was talking about that the agent has a lot of play here with the negotiations between him, the Redskins, and Cousins. And you know with NFL agents, they're looking out for their player. They want him to get the most money that he can get. And to me, the Redskins are in a tough spot right now. They, The Redskins feel like they're more concerned about overpaying Cousins as of right now. And they're worried that if they overpay him with a max contract, they're not going to be able to sign other players, and the Redskins are going to be bad. So, to me, the Redskins, they did a smart move by doing franchise tag, but if they can't sign them, by, say, say by the start of the season, or definitely by the end of the 2017 season, the Redskins, to me, are at risk of letting them walk for nothing because they can't, they're not willing to overpay them. And if you're not willing to overpay them, Washington Redskins, somebody else will. Somebody will. Somebody will. He's had so much success in Washington. He's actually done pretty well in Washington, considering the team he has around him. So I think there will be a team out there that will want a starting quarterback of Kirk Cousins' caliber. But, you know, you have to think. he. Uh, you know, it's kind of like with the whole Colin Kaepernick situation with San Francisco. He hit that wall. He hit that ceiling during the Super Bowl. After that, he has not been the same car- He has not been the same player since that day. So you have to think. I mean, I, I think if he hasn't hit it already, he's going to hit it very soon. And I think a team needs to sign him before that ceiling gets hit. And last but not least in the NFL, very sad news. Uh, Chris Berman's wife passed away, Kathy. She passed away in a car accident this week. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the Berman family. Um, and definitely a sad, tragic situation. He was actually at a, a San Francisco Giants game when he heard the news. He's at City Field. And he was notified of his wife's accident by the New York Police Department officers. Very sad situation. And our thoughts and prayers go out to the Berman family. So next, we're going to be talking yeah, about some... definitely, Yeah, definitely uh, agree with you there, Dylan. Definitely want to extend my thoughts and prayers to Chris Berman. And I'm very pleased that you know ESPN and all the sports, not just ESPN and Fox, so the whole world is basically showing Chris Berman a lot of love and support to help get him through his difficult time. Uh, Again, I just want to extend my condolences to him as well. Yes, uh, very, very. But carry on, Dylan. Very carry sad. On. So uh, following up uh, with the NFL, it's going to be basketball news. We're going to talk about the NBA a little bit. So we're going to play a short little game called True or False. Rondo says the Bulls would have swept the Celtics if he hadn't been injured. JT, true or false? Oh, to me, that's totally false. The Celtics are up 2 nothing. They blew it. They blew it. They blew an opportunity, just like that team in Washington. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, look, to me, Rondo, even if he played in Game 3 and Game 4, 
he might have made a slight difference for the Celtics, but the Celtics just aren't a steamroll. And remember, Jimmy Butler, he was struggling. He was struggling in those last few games against the, the Bulls or the Celtics, and he just couldn't keep it going. So to me, I think Rondo, even if he was still healthy, it would not make much of the difference. The Celtics were still going to win that series. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you look at the game tonight. It's going to be the Celtics versus the Wizards. Game 6 at 7 p.m. on ESPN, so definitely check that out. The Celtics are winning in that series 3-2, to two, so they can close out the series tonight and uh, at the Verizon Center. So do you think that Dylan, the- let me ask you something, though, because I've been hearing this a lot in the um, ESPN channels today. Do you think it's bad for the NBA where you have, like, two teams that the best teams in the NBA swept their opponents and you feel like no one, even though the Wizards and Celtics, there's a lot of heat, a lot of bad blood in the series, but no one seems to really care about it much because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's going to be Cavs and Warriors again. What do you think about that? I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be Cavs and Warriors again. I mean, I, I, I don't like the, all this sweeping of the series and everything. I mean, it happens in sports. Sports are like a cycle. It happens in cycles, and this has happened before. This happens in every sport, like college football. Who do you think is going to the national championship game every year? Name one team. Oh, Alabama. Obviously. Alabama, every single year. So there are those teams in, in different sports, like with with hockey for the longest time. It was, you know, the Kings were going to the to the Stanley Cup the final. The Kings, the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are going, like things like that. So there, there are dynasties when it comes to sports, and this year it just seems like, I mean, this past few years, it seems like the Warriors and Cavaliers are the toughest teams to play because of their players, because of the star players they have on their teams, especially LeBron James for the Cavs. The Cavs would be nowhere near a championship game if LeBron James was not there. If he was in Miami still, I bet Miami would be in the playoffs this year, and they would be as far as the Cavs have gone this year, just because of LeBron James. LeBron James loves to carry a team on his back, and he does that year after year after year to where he always ends up at least in the conference championship game, if not the, the NBA championship final. So, you know, it's, it's tough to watch. I don't like it per se, but it'll change in the next few years. It'll change. Everything will change. I know it's just tough for me with my San Antonio Spurs. We got a big win over the Houston Rockets last night. Uh, James Harden. I can't believe it. He only got 10 points. He, what was he doing out clubbing? He was awful. That apparently wasn't he was what he was awful. doing the night before. Well, I, I, I'm sure you heard, but after the game, he went to a club, and he's all doing whatever, and the fans shooting MVP, MVP. You know, I think they were drunk. I'm like, you could have called the MVP when he only scored 10 points? He got booed off the court. Yeah. Oh, he, he, he was awful. Fans. So I'm glad my Spurs won. Even without Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard, we won that game last night. But – now we're going to play the Golden State Warriors, and a lot of people think we're going to lose in five games. I still think we're going to lose in six. We're not getting swept, Dylan. That's not happening. No, but not, definitely not. We're not going to beat the Warriors without Parker, and if Kawhi Leonard's still out, definitely no. Yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be interesting series to watch, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Golden State's going to move on to the finals, and it's going to be Cleveland and uh, the Warriors again this season. So, speaking of Cleveland, they're awaiting Washington or Boston to go to the next level of uh, the playoffs. Do you think they're going to have any resistance from the team they play, whoever it is, Washington or Boston, and which one do you think they're hoping for in the conference finals? Well, if you ask LeBron James personally, it's, it's the Boston Celtics. 
That's who he really wants. That's their major rival. Uh, with He was with the Miami Heat. Uh, Cleveland, they had a rivalry, too, when they had uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. And, oh, and uh, Kevin, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen with the Celtics back in the 08 season. So I think LeBron James, he wants the Celtics. That's what he want. I think from the fan perspective, that will be a good series. It could go six, seven games, but it doesn't matter. that The Cavaliers, as you expected, are going to win that series. And it looks like it's going to be a rematch of Warriors and and Cavs. And that's not a bad thing. It kind of reminds me of back in the, what was the 80s, 90s? The 90s, probably 80s, 90s, we had the Celtics and the Lakers. To me, it's kind of like that rivalry. So I don't think that's a bad thing at all with the Cavs and the Warriors. Do you think that the Warriors have it in them to overcome the Cleveland Cavaliers this season and actually oh, get revenge definitely. from last year? Definitely. The, the Warriors have, like, what, four future Hall of Famers on that team? And I think the Warriors learned a lot from Blue in that 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals last year. So I think this year the Warriors, they're going to redeem themselves. Cleveland, I just think they're tired. LeBron James is carrying that team, carrying that team over and over and over. And you, well, the way they pass that ball with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, they're just going to take shots. But the Warriors, you give them anybody, those guys who shoot threes from all over the place. So the Warriors, to me, are deadly. And I think the Warriors are clearly the favorites to bounce back after blowing the title last year to win it. And finally, Kevin Durant will get a championship ring. Yes, Kevin Durant will get a championship ring, unlike Alex Ovechkin. (laughs) We'll talk about that. Well, as I said, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, next segment, we'll talk about that. So the next piece of basketball news is Charles Barkley was talking on TNT and he said that he admits preferring the NHL playoffs over the 2017 NBA playoffs. And I believe it's because of what you were saying earlier is that all these sweeps that are happening, that the same team is winning night after night, year after year. Um, what else do you think plays into that decision for him to say that the NHL playoff is better than the 2017 NBA playoffs? Well, to me, Charles Barkley is speaking the truth. It's not like this is the first year where the NHL playoffs are dominating the NBA playoffs. It's it's always been like that. And the reason, to me, why I usually prefer watching the NHL playoffs over the NBA playoffs is the NHL playoffs, It's you're going to know who's, who's the highest goalie, who's the highest team getting in. You know the favorite teams, like my Capitals, or who's another team that the Blackhawks, you know, the Rangers, teams like that, they're not going to always get out of the first or second round every year. And there's always a surprise team every year, our AC team, like your Predators, who have come out of nowhere and got in the playoffs and are in the third round. And I don't think a lot of people, Dylan, thought the Predators would make it to the third round. I look at last season, the San Jose Sharks, who are basically the Washington Capitals of the Western Conference, choking leads and not getting out of the second round. <laughs> they finally made it to the Stanley Cup final yeah. this past season, or last season. Yeah. So the NHL always has that drama where the NBA, look, unless it's the Lakers, Celtics, the Knicks, the Heat, uh, the Thunder, the Spurs, the Mavericks, all these teams, no one's going to watch. No one's going to watch a, a team like the Utah Jazz. No one's going to watch them. Okay, the Wizards, they're a nice story, but they're not going to last long. The Hawks, no one's watching the Hawks. So 
the NBA just doesn't have that same feel where you have a Cinderella story each year. It's going to make it because you know whatever team has the most all-stars are the team that's going to make it to the finals. And that's just a sad case with the NBA these days. Yeah, and true. Uh, we have a, a listener question later on this this um, later on in the show that we'll be a- answering too about that. So we'll kind of hold off on that story and go to the NHL in hockey news. So we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals first. Um, but before that, JT, what happened to Washington, man? Washington just didn't bring their game up again. Another year of the winning the president's trophy, the top team in the East and can't get past the second round. It's been like that Dylan for basically 20 years now. Now that we get it done this year, 1998 was the last time they made it that year. They made it to the Stanley Cup final. And I really thought Dylan, this was going to be the year that the capitals were going to get it done. And they had every opportunity Dylan. They were down three, one, just like eight years ago. when We played the Penguins in 2009, eight down three, one, you win game five at home. You were down 2-1 in the third period in game five. The Caps would have just blown the game, lose it, and lose in five games. But they came back, won that game 4-2. Game six. Game six, I was stunned, Dylan. They blew the doors out in Pittsburgh and took it to the Penguins and were up 5 nothing. Yes, they gave up two goals in the last three minutes of the game, but 5-2 to two in Pittsburgh's building in game six? Me, you, Dylan, and Scott, we met last week. We all believed that the Cowboys were not going to win game six in Pittsburgh. We all thought that wasn't going to happen, but they did. And game seven, Dylan, was their opportunity. They finally changed the narrative, get it done, and they just didn't do it. And the Penguins, you got to give them credit, Dylan. Even though they got outshot pretty much every game against the ser- in the series, Sidney Crosby, even though he was out for two games, he stepped up. Malkin stepped up. Shuri, that man again. Benino, Benino, Benino. <laughs> even though he only got one goal, but he was still – He's doing assistant stuff. And Marc-Andre Fleury, man, talk about making saves galore before you probably get let go and go to the Vegas Golden Knights. He stepped up, and I believe if Fleury plays like this, Dylan, they will beat the Senators, and they will be in the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I think they'll beat the Senators, too. The Senators are a very fast team, but at the same time, Pittsburgh, man, they are fast too. Uh, They're a very fast team with experience in the playoffs too, recent experience in the playoffs. So I think Ottawa is definitely going to fall to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're playing such a dominant game right now that I I knew that whoever won the Washington versus Pittsburgh series was going to go to the Stanley Cup final. And in this situation with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I just don't see them losing to the Ottawa Senators in the Eastern Conference final. Definitely, definitely. Well, let's move on to the Western Conference Finals where we have the Anaheim Ducks who came back to beat the Oilers. I wasn't sure if that was going to happen, but they got through, got over their Game 7 jinx because they were 0-5 going through this game on Wednesday. They got over their Game 7 curse. Oh, like my Capitals. And beat the Oilers, and they're going to play your Predators tonight. Yes, tonight in, in about uh, 30 minutes they're going to be tipping off, actually. Or no, I'm sorry, about an hour and a half. Oh, it's a 9 yeah. o'clock. An hour uh, and a half. It's, it's, puck it's a, drop, Eastern time. Yes. So 8 o'clock your time. Yes, 8 o'clock my time. So I'm excited for that game, actually. I'm very excited. Um, I We did have Anaheim's number last season. We beat them in seven games, which was a tough series. I, I think that's the reason why we ultimately lost to San Jose in the next round, because... Anaheim played us so hard last season and our guys were banged up, but 
we have one guy we didn't have last season, and that guy's name is P.K. Subban. I think he's going to be the dark horse in this game. I think he is going to create a lot of offense for this team. And defensively, too, we have some great defensemen who are under the radar, who were under the radar, I guess you could say, up until these past two rounds of the Stanley Cup Final. So Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban was up there already. Um, But we have some great defensemen, great offense guys, too. Uh, We have great guys like, you know, uh, Victor Arvidsson. He can score goals. He's been kind of in a rut recently in the playoffs, but I think he can kind of get back into his game in the Ducks series because they definitely got a few extra days of rest compared to Anaheim. We have Philip Forsberg, who is a force on the ice. They have to definitely... Um, guard him differently than most players because he is such an offensive weapon. And then you have Rome, uh, Ryan Johansson. So that line right there, Philip, Ryan, and Victor, it's a very potent line. Uh, they can get pucks to the net. They can get pucks in the net. And I think the Ducks are going to have their hands full in this series. But I am going to predict that the Nashville Predators are going to beat the Ducks in five games. Instead Ooh, of five games. Yes, sir. Most people are saying six. I think the Predators are going to know what to do in this series, definitely because they played them last season. And with that rest that we had, that extra rest, which we didn't have last season, and also we didn't travel as much this season as we did last season. This season, we tra- we traveled enough uh, for a round-trip flight to California. Last season, however, we traveled enough for, I think it was like, 10 or 11 round trip flights to California. Like we traveled a lot last season. So I think that's helped our guys a lot. We've, we've stayed fresh. We've stayed uh, focused on what our goal is. And our goal is to reach the Stanley cup for the first time since 1998 and since inception of the national predators. So I think that this year is going to be their year. And I think the national predators will beat the Anaheim ducks in five games and speaking of the Nashville Predators, the NHL finally fined P.K. Subban for embellishment during the St. Louis Blues series. It actually happened during Game 6 on May 7th. And the fines were announced three days after the incident even happened. And so, JT, I think we were watching this game together, correct? Yes, I watched the game on Sunday. Okay, yeah. So we watched the game, and the play that happened uh, was actually a play on P.K. Subban, someone roughed P.K. Subban from, I forgot who it was, from the Blues, and knocked him to the ice, and he actually had an injury. He actually had to go back to the to the, to the, um, the dressing room because he was hurt, but they call that embellishment. What do you think about this? I'm not sure what the NHL is doing. I, from what I've read on ESPN, they were saying that the reason why P.K. Subban got fined, because this is a second offense. Apparently, he did this when, back in January 22nd against the, again, the game against the Minnesota Wild. And he said he was caught. They said he, he was doing embellishment. So they gave him a warning for that game. But because he, they claim he did it again, even though, to me, they both got offsetting penalties, two-minute minors. Like, what's the big deal? Why are you going to find the guy? But they decided to find him. $2,000, as you mentioned earlier. And to me, it didn't make much of a difference. I mean, the Predators won the game. They, they're off to the next round. PK, just be careful next time, I guess. But, you know, it's a question move for the NHL, considering 
what happened with, of course, the Penguin series with Crosby and Ovechkin and Niskin and all that hot mess. But I think the Preds will be okay. Just don't be embellishing people. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't even think it was embellishment in the first place. Like, I could understand if it was if they thought it was embellishment because he got he was on the ice for like two seconds, got up wailing around kind of like a LeBron James of NHL hockey. Uh, you know, if he was flopping around on the ice, you know, just playing to the ref a lot, I could understand that. But he went into the dressing room to get himself checked out after that happened. I don't understand why they think that was embellishment. Uh, I don't know what their definition is of embellishment because that definitely was not embellishment to me. It, it, it's so hard for me to believe that the ref thought that that was actually embellishment I just think that in this in this situation, in the first two rounds, I'm sure you probably can say the same thing about your Washington Capitals. I just feel as though the referees just don't want a team of this caliber to win the series. I, I really don't think so. I think that they're, I don't know. It just seems to me like they're always against the Nashville Predators. Or they're always against, like, in the NFL they're well, always against I thought the that Titans. was only Mike Milbury, but well, uh, true. I mean, Mike Milbury's but, against uh, us too. I feel that the refs in these NHL playoffs—they they really have made some bad calls. They haven't got—they haven't been consistent. Not just in the Caps Pen series, that's obvious. But <laughs> in all the in all in all these playoff games, like the Oilers and the, well, the that game where the Oilers and Ducks played, and the Ducks scored three goals in like three minutes. Two of those goals were like basically goalie tender interference, but wasn't called. Yeah. So the the refs they they just have been awful. I hope by the Stanley Cup final at least they won't screw it up. Especially if it's the Predators and the Penguins, because those are the two teams I think they're going to be in the NHL Stanley Cup final. Please don't mess it up, man. Because I'm worried if they do, they're going to cost somebody a championship. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, on to our miscellaneous news uh, from other sports that we don't usually talk about. Jenny Bouchard said that players are rooting against Maria Sharapova. Apparently, there were some players that came up to her before her victory over Maria Sharapova. Um, congratulate, like saying, you know, good luck out there. We, we're rooting against Maria, things like that. Um, there was also a story that Jeannie actually recently labeled Sharapova as a cheater in the realm of tennis. Do, do you think that Maria Sharapova is a cheater? Well, Dylan, you know what they say. Once a cheater, always a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a bad cliche, but <laughs> look, as I met, I believe I talked about this during my final thoughts uh, a few weeks ago about Maria Sharapova's situation. Because Jeannie Bouchard, she's been saying this. Now, she did beat her in a recent tennis tournament. I can't remember the, the name of the tournament off the top of my head. But... I watched his highlights, and she did beat Sharapova pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. And I think for Sharapova, it's going to take her some time to get her rhythm back. So we'll see what happens there with that situation. But no, I mean, Sharapova, you did what you did. You got to take the heat. And the only way you're going to change that is by becoming dominant again. Now, I know some people think, oh, if she becomes dominant, if she's juicing again, who knows? Just don't take any banned substances in. Get yourself in those awkward situations. And as I mentioned, it's not just a problem we see in tennis. We see this in track and field with the Olympics, when track players get banned for years because of taking banned substances. We see the course in the NFL with steroids and, and MLB and baseball. You get to spend 80 games, or in Alex Rodriguez's case, you do it two times, three years, you get banned for a year. So this is nothing new. 
But Maria Sharapova, she's going to take the heat for now and and try to get better. And we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. If she doesn't play well, well, like Tiger Woods, probably won't last for very long. We'll just have to wait and see. Do you think if she can, if she starts to play well again, if she starts to get to her, the elite level she was at before she left, do you think there there will be people who will be questioning her even more that she might be a cheater still? Oh, definitely, Dylan. As I mentioned, once you take those things and and you get caught, people are always going to be suspicious. That just comes with the territory. You can either say, well, Maria Sharapova shouldn't have done what she did, but she served her penalty of 15 months, and now she's got to find a way to make a comeback. I don't think she's going to win any majors this year, maybe in the next couple of years, but it's too early to say, Dylan. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But this is going to continue for a while. That I know for sure. I agree. So moving on to some soccer news. JT, do you have any uh, recaps or anything from soccer? Well, the only thing I will mention with uh, quick soccer updates, this won't take very long. Just going to mention the UEFA Champions League second round. Juventus beat Monaco uh, 2-1, and they advanced forward in aggregate to go to the Champions League final. Real Madrid, they lost to their rivals Atletico Madrid 2-1, but Real Madrid, they won 4-2 on aggregate, Overall, so they will. It will be Real Madrid and Juventus in the Champions League final. That will be on June third in Cardiff, Wales. That will be a very good matchup. I'm picking Juventus to upset Real Madrid and win that Champions League final. Uh, Chelsea they beat West Brom today one nil to clinch the Premier League title. This is their second title in three years. So after having a horrible season last season, they bounce back, win the Premier League. Good for them. Manchester United and Ajax, they got over their opponents, Celta Vigo and Olympic Lyon, respectively, and they will play in the Europa League final on May 24th in Sweden. Quick Orlando City news. Orlando City news, they lost 4 nothing to Houston this past Saturday. They're on a two-game losing streak, but as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to the game tomorrow and against Sporting Kansas City at home. Orlando City has been undefeated at home, so hopefully Orlando City will get a win. And Orlando Pride, they got a 1-1 draw this past Sunday against FC Kansas City. So that wraps up my quick soccer take, football recap of the week takes. Now let's talk some FIFA news, Dylan. Some FIFA news. Well, uh, United States, Mexico, and Canada have a joint bid uh, for the 2026 World Cup. And they were hoping it would be fast-tracked, but FIFA Congress in Bahrain uh, said, not so fast, my friend, and said (laughs) it will not be accepted today. If no other countries bid for the World Cup, the vote could happen by 2018. But if there is a country that bids, then they will do a vote in 2020. So my question to you, JT, are there any countries out there that you've heard um, are wanting to put a bid towards the World Cup in 2026? As of right now, no. But let's be honest, Dylan. FIFA, as of yesterday, they approved the fast track. I know you put in there the... We're considering it, but as of yesterday, they announced that they approved it. However, there's a catch. They're only going to give opposing bids till August. So this August, August 11th, to bid against basically what Donald Trump calls NAFTA, <laughs> Canada, Mexico, the U.S. Uh, World Cup bid. And the only confederation that are going to peak against the U.S. is the OFC region, which is really New Zealand. Come on, New Zealand. They have no shot of hosting a 48-team World Cup. Uh, CAF, CAF, which is the African 
confederation. Look, I joked around with Tony Rafai, my buddy at work, but I told him, look, unless the whole continent of Africa decides to bid against uh, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, to me, that's the only bid that could compete, but it's no question. They're not going to compete. Comable, which is all the South American countries, they're not going to compete against the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. They're not. They're waiting for the 2030 bid because that's most likely going to go to Argentina and Uruguay to celebrate the centennial because the first World Cup started in 1930. So it makes sense to bring that World Cup back to South America. So personally, Dylan, I mean, Africa is the only country that, to me, that's going to compete with that bid. But if they don't submit a bid by August 11th, it's a slam dunk. It's coming to America, baby. Coming to North America. And I heard there might be a dark horse in there, too, bringing the bid to uh, their country. I heard Morocco might be a country that uh, would be interested in bringing the World Cup to their country. So we'll see if Morocco might throw in a bid as well. So hopefully we uh, August, 3rd, uh, August 11th we'll be celebrating that United States will be getting the World Cup uh, in 2026. But we'll um, definitely be listening for more news in that. Well, I'm sure we'll have some more news on the show in the next coming weeks as well. So it's time for listener questions. We have two questions tonight. Um, the first one is from Jake on Facebook. He says, feelings on how the Stanley Cup Finals viewership will be with only one real major market team left. And I will start with you, JT. By real market, is he talking about what, he's, Anaheim, which is basically L.A.? I'm guessing so. I'm guessing he's talking about Anaheim. Um, you know, just a, a big a big market team, or even Pittsburgh, really, even, too. Um, do you think the viewership will decline, knowing there are only, you know, two big markets? Yeah, I would say even two big markets with Anaheim and Pittsburgh. There are two big markets in the conference finals still, and there's two that are not really big markets in hockey. No, no Chicago, no New York, obviously no D.C., no Dallas, so no Minnesota, which is a state of hockey, of course, or St. Louis. So, no, not usually your traditionals other than the Penguins and the Ducks. So, I, to me, it just kind of depends. I think if the Penguins make the Stanley Cup final, which I believe they will, the, I don't see attendance or attendance, uh, the viewership in the NHL drop that much. Because, I mean, it's the Penguins. It's Sidney Crosby. you got to watch that guy. He's the best player in hockey. So I don't see the viewers you're watching that decline that much if the Penguins make it. And even if it's the Preds or Ducks, it's still going to be a good series. So I still think, even though it might be a slight drop, it's still going to be a, a good series, and that will make up for it, for sure. You know, the thing is, though, in my mind, if the Ducks don't make it, let's say the Predators and Penguins are the two teams in the Stanley Cup Final, I think that people will want to watch just because they don't see the Predators that often on national television. I believe this past season we only had two national tele, nationally televised games on NBC, and that was it. So no one's really been able to see these teams play um, out of big markets. So I think it'll be interesting to see how much the viewership changes. I think that you might see an, an uptick of viewership, actually, instead of a decline. I think you'd see more of an uptick than a, a decline. In that, in that category. So second question we have tonight is from Luis on Facebook. She says, do you feel that Ireland is ready for test cricket? Because they are they submitted a, a, an admission for the um, uh, sport of cricket to have test status there in that country. Do you think that Ireland has a good chance of getting that? 
Um, I believe so, even though today they were supposed to play Bangladesh in a cricket match. Uh, apparently the match got canceled due to weather. So Ireland, I definitely think they got a shot, but I've heard a rumor though with cricket that they might do it like a, like kind of like the British Isles kind of World Cup match and bring like all these popular cricket nations like Pakistan, India, of course, England, Ireland, France, all these countries to, uh, to host a, a World Cup. But if it comes to Ireland, it certainly wouldn't be a bad thing. Very true. Well, uh, good take on that, JT. And thank you all for listening for the sh- to the show. I know this has been a, a weird week because I'm not really there, and JT and I are kind of talking over FaceTime audio. But thank you again for listening. Please, 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 please um, like us on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Like us on Twitter. You can follow us. It's OOB Podcast is our Twitter handle. You can also like us on iTunes as well on the app store. Give us a rating. Uh, give us a, a review of what you think our show, uh, how are you think our show is doing because we really, really appreciate all of that love. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Dylan underscore James. You can also email me at Dylan at outofboundspodcast.com. I apologize. Um, we're also looking for contributors for our Out of Bounds Podcast website. So feel free to email us, email me um, in particular. And we will be bringing some more content to the website to draw more listeners and more subscribers to our to our content. So, JT, what are your social media handles? You can reach out to me on Twitter at JTSaka88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can email me at JT at outofboundspodcast.com. And you can also contact me on my personal blog at jttosportsguy.com. JT, any final thoughts for tonight? Yes. I would like to conclude my final thoughts with, well, the team I've been picking on pretty much this entire podcast, the Washington Capitals, which unfortunately for us, it's pretty much can describe our 40-year, over 40-year history as a legacy of failure. We just can't seem to get over the hump. And, but I'm going to focus more on the future of the Washington Capitals. Of course, everyone's talking about Alex Ovechkin. The last 48 hours, everyone's talking about trading Ovechkin. Get rid of him. Fire Barry Trotz. Get rid of him. And just blow it all up. All right, DC. Let's. I heard you. I heard you. Let, let's just calm down and let's think about this, okay? I know Ovechkin hasn't got back past the second round. That's well documented. We know Barry Trotz from his days in Nashville and the three years he's been here at D.C. has never got past the second round. So even if the Capitals were going to trade Ovechkin, to me, the Capitals should have done it three years ago before Barry Trotz got there when we went through our terrible season with Adam Oates and we did not, after the 2012-13 season, lockout season, and 2013-2014 season, we didn't even make the playoffs, Dylan. We didn't make the playoffs. They should have traded him at that point because at that point he was still high his career, scoring a bunch of goals. You could have got more assets for him. You try to trade him now, he's just told everybody he's got banged up in game seven. Lower body injury with knees, hamstring. He's just ha- and had to take injections just to get through game seven. And he only had four shots. Now, you could send him to a team like Vegas or in, uh, the Los Angeles or whatever. Arizona, that's probably the only team that can afford him. But you're not going to get nothing in return. So, in my opinion, we're kind of stuck with Ovechkin. 
And look at our pending free agents for this upcoming offseason. TJ Oshie, he's a free agent. Shattenkirk, Kevin Shattenkirk's going to be a free agent. Winnick's going to be a free agent. Carl Osner's going to be a free agent. And, of course, Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams. He's also going to be a free agent. So the Caps are most likely to let all those guys go because the Capitals have to sign restricted free agents. Kuznetsov, Burakovsky, Schmidt. And Dmitry Orlov, all those guys that brought in from their minor leagues team in Hershey, they got to keep those guys. And Ted Leonsis, look, man, you need to quit talking smack to those Penguin fans. Yes, we saw you on Twitter, on camera, talking you know, smack to those Penguin fans when we were down 2 nothing. Quit talking smack to the Penguin fans, man, and focus on what are you going to do with our team, man. What is the team going to look like? Are you going to let Trots go? To me, if you let Trots go, you might as well blow it up. Blow it up, get rid of everybody, and start over. But in my opinion, the Capitals, even with all the players we're going to let go, and the free agency, there's not a lot of strong players available who's in the free agency pool. Patrick Eves from the Ducks. You got Yarmir Yager. Yes, that guy available. Chris Kunitz might be available. Matt Cullen. Nick Benino. I doubt the Penguins will let him go. So there's some free agents that the Penguins could pick up. But we're not going to have a lot of cap room available. So if I'm Ted Leonsis, you just find a way to stay the course and you give it one more shot. One more shot. And don't fire, year, don't fire Barry Trotz. No, don't fire Barry Trotz. That's, to me, an overreaction, a bad move. But I believe just give it one more shot. One more shot. We don't get it done next year. Then it'll be time to blow it up. But you might want to consider treating Johansson, Carlson, Maybe Backstrom, ship him out of town. Ovechkin, Backstrom, somebody's got to go. If it's not going to be Ovechkin, it's time to ship Backstrom. And that concludes my final thoughts. Other than D.C. being the saddest sports town in town. D.C., what happened Wednesday night? Uh, yes, the Nationals won that <laughs> night, but they were losing the Orioles the previous two games, and the Wizards got blown out in Boston against the Celtics, and we all know what happened to the Capitals. What happened, D.C.? Are you going to get it together? Get it together, man. Yeah, come on, man. Anyway, Dylan, your final thoughts. My final thoughts have to go out to the Nashville Predators. They are starting their round three series against the Anaheim Ducks, which is the Western Conference final. And just a little uh, tidbit for you, JT. Pekka Rene is riding a 951 save percentage, which, according to Elias Sports Bureau Research, would be the highest in a single postseason in Stanley Cup playoff history. The current best is 9-5-0 by Hall of Famer Jacques Plante in 1969 for the Blues. And also, Nashville enters with a PDO of 104.72 this postseason, according to Corsica Hockey. Uh, that would be the second highest PDO of any playoff team since 2008. Only the 2011 Bruins were high, higher at 104.73, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. So the Preds are doing all the right things right now. Continue to do what you're doing. Continue to be the National Predators and play your brand of hockey. And good things will happen to you in this series against the Ducks. And hopefully we start off the series going 1-0 and in against the Ducks. So that would be a fantastic thing to do. Also, once again, please, please, please subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on all sorts of platforms. So you can find us everywhere. Share our page. Like our page. Share it with your friends. Share it with your dog. Share it with your family. <laughs> I don't care who you share it with. Share it with everybody you know. 
And we will corgis. continue corgis exactly. Share them with corgis, <laughs> and we will continue to bring you quality analysis every single week um, with JT and Dylan here on Out of Bounds. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you next week. 